Hey everybody, welcome to a special audio first edition over the Spidey Dude Experience. This mini episode is in conjunction with our good friend Chris Dedmond over uh, part of the Sal Buscema era podcast. He does a show called Radio of Horror. It's a terrestrial radio show where he talks about horror-centric characters. I'm really, really pleased to uh, have on this episode... Erica Schultz, she is the writer of Hallow's Eve. Now, this is a miniseries that is a bit near and dear to my heart, stars a Clone Saga-related character in Janine Gabe. She is uh, Hallow's Eve, but she was also Ben Riley's girlfriend during the Clone Saga with two of my favorite miniseries, Redemption and Lost Years. I've linked the Clone Saga Chronicles episodes in the description down below. I've also linked the Make My Mayday episode talking about uh, Dark Devil, the uh, alternate universe son of Janine and Ben. So we'll talk about that as well. And uh, so all that's linked down in the description below. If you want to check out this miniseries, you can check out the first issue of, over on Marvel Unlimited. The first issue is available right now. The first four issues are available at comic shops or digitally via Comicsology. The fifth issue will be coming out the end of this month, uh, July 26th, and then October of this year, the trade paperback will be being released if you want to wait for the trade. Of course, you can always uh, check it out over on those respective platforms. So links are all down in the description below. She is an Eisner Award nominee for her work at Marvel. So we'll talk a little bit about that. There's a lot of things we cover in a short amount of time. We're really excited for it. Thank you to her for being a part of it. And with that, we'll get started here on Spidey-Dude.com, a part of the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Welcome to this special episode of both uh, Radio of Horror and a uh, rebroadcast on the Spidey Dude Radio Network as uh, an interview segment as part of the regular show. I'm on with Zach, the co-founder of the Spidey Dude Radio Network, as well as the current writer of the Hallow's Eve miniseries in the upcoming Amazing Spider-Man annual, Erica. Thank you for joining me, Zach, to talk with Erica about Hallow's Eve. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, this was a book that, um, whenever that was announced, I was like, I've got to check it out because the the main character is one of my favorites as a longtime Clone Saga fan. So I was intrigued and interested. And when I read the first issue, I was uh, really, really pleased as a as a fan. So uh, it's really exciting to get to talk to the uh, the, the author of that of that book. Erica, well, thank you very much. Were you um, were you familiar with the backstory of um, Janine? Janine right? Godby? Yeah, Janine, prior to this. Yeah, so, I mean, I knew who she was, and I had read uh, Clone Conspiracy, I think it was 94, 95. Um, J.M.D. Mateus and uh, J.R.J.R. had done it. Um, and I had, I had read it, you know, back then. And I had done a reread um, probably about in the early 2000s. Um, but I mean, I knew who she was. I knew she was Ben's girlfriend. I knew that she had had a crazy past. And, um, when I was told that she was coming back, I thought it was, you know, pretty interesting. I had not been reading the Beyond Saga, so I didn't know until Nick Lowe, the editor, um, reached out to me about writing her. Uh, and I thought I was like, oh, that's an interesting kind of thing. And I found out, you know, before pretty much, anybody else um, about the whole Hollow's Eve thing and going to limbo and chasm and all that other stuff. So I thought it was, it was really sort of an interesting power set. And also I thought it was an interesting way to give Janine some agency because she's always kind of been 
you know, just the girlfriend of Ben, but now she, you know, she has her own story. So. Yeah. I mean, she always had this blank slate. I mean, other than her backstory, which, you know, obviously with, with uh, the lost years miniseries that, I mean, and, and, and uh, redemption, I mean, nobody had really touched her, but Demetrius. And so, you know, when I was like, Oh, they're giving her a miniseries. I was like, man, cause as a Ben Riley fan, like some of the some of the choices, I've been like, oh, I don't know about this. But like, whenever like they did that with with Janine, I was like, oh, well, you gotta you gotta this canvas that's you know that could be filled in, and I really really enjoy that. So, um, you kind of mentioned it. So so you were approached by Nick Lowe, and then you just kind of started started working. Yeah, um, for this particular project, Nick uh, reached out to me just before New York Comic Con and said, you know, we announced this thing at San Diego and we didn't have an author in a mind for it. Um, and I, at the time I was finishing up writing X-23. Um, so uh, he said, he's like, look, you know, I, I'd really love to hear your take on uh, on Janine. So we had a phone call and then we met up at New York Comic Con um, last year and uh and I was told, you know, what's going to happen uh, in, you know, ASM 14 because it hadn't come out yet. And that's when she becomes uh, Hallow's Eve. And I was given sort of a little backstory and stuff. Um, and I was like, all right, well, you know, give me a little time to go and sort of ruminate. Um, and I think the bane of any editor's existence is, as, is somebody asking for time. Because everything is so fast-paced, and especially because, especially because like uh, ASM double ships and everything. Um, so, I you know I just sort of made a list of questions. You know, I knew where I wanted to take the story, and I knew that there was certain canon that I had to. You know, there were certain you know certain uh, bumpers that I had to make sure that I was within. You know. Um, and that's kind of the editor's job is to make sure that, you know, you keep continuity and, you know, nothing that you write is going to screw anything up that's going to come down the pike, you know, in 18 months. Right, right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wrote out my proposal, for lack of a better term, and uh, had a conversation with Nick, had some questions back and forth. Um, and he I, I, it's probably because he was just too busy. He was just like, just go. I was like, all right. OK, <laughs> fine. Uh, and I just sort of went with it. And um, I mean, she's a fun character to write because she's so snarky and she like has kind of this devil may care attitude. Um, and I and I and I like that because she can come up. She's sort of like the anti Peter because, you know, Peter has this kind of happy go lucky sometimes attitude with his one liners, whereas her one liners are have a little more edge to them. Um, so that's that's fun to write. And, you know. Also, she's she's a character who's not a bad person, but she just has very specific goals that she wants to achieve. And if you are in the way, she will go through you. Um, and that's basically what happens to Simon Carter, who's this, this you know, security guard just doing his job. Mm -hmm. And uh, she sees him as an impediment. And unfortunately, uh, he has his life changed in an right. instant. Yeah, and then the whole book really becomes about her trying to fix that one mistake to make sure that it doesn't get repeated because of, you know, what she believes about the supernatural and werewolves. It's kind of funny 
that you know we didn't see like Jack Russell show up to give her some help or Doctor Strange. Did you want to use any of those characters, or was it just like let's just keep it to the Spider Family um, and and not involve too much else of the supernatural Marvel universe? Well, I mean the story is about Janine, so I, I didn't want to I didn't want it to be a, a male character coming in to save her, you know, because if anything, even from Clone Conspiracy. Uh, and lost years and everything, Janine, for the most part, takes care of herself. So I didn't, I didn't want to sort of, you know, neuter her by making her this damsel in distress. She has issues and she has things that she has to work through, but she works through them herself. Um, and she has fumbles like everybody else, but she's the one who's working through it. So bringing in Doctor Strange or Jack Russell or even Clea. I don't think would have worked first of all, because she doesn't have a relationship with them. She has no, no connection to strange. Um, so it would have been kind of a weird thing to sort of bring him in. Um, but also, I mean, the book's about her. She's, she's the title. So let's keep it with her. Yeah. I guess the only supernatural character she has any connection to is, um, Madeline Pryor. Is Madeline. Queen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Madeline. And if you read Dark over, Web, uh, then you know that she betrayed Madeline. Yeah, and Madeline's keeping um, Limbo under lock and key, and keeping um, uh, Ben Riley under under guard in his prison. Yeah, Casim is in prison in, Limbo, in the Limbo Embassy. Yeah. Um, I know you can't talk much about the upcoming Amazing Spider-Man Annual. Um, is uh, what? Was working on Hallow's Eve what led into that? Did they say, hey, you're doing the, you know, do you want to write the annual as well? We're going to have her in it. I literally just got an email from Nick saying, more Eve, question mark. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I got a mortgage and two very old cats on lots of medication. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, so, you know. I mean, I've been kind of, there are certain things that I have gone after at Marvel, like actively sought out editors saying, I want to do this. And um, the Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, which is up for an Eisner, uh, that's, uh, thank you. I'm um, one of 14 people who worked on it. So I'm, I'm, I, I, if we win, I get one fourteenth of an ice. Oh yeah, I was about to ask. That. I was like, how does that work? Do you all get to share it like a couple weeks a year? And then you know, it's around? funny. <laughs> I actually, I sent an email to Tom. Bre this is literally last week. I sent an email to Tom Brevoort and everybody else who was involved with Book Jim Zub and the Sensi, uh, David Lopez, uh, Chris Sotomayor, uh, all the editors, and I said, so if we win. Uh, do we like Pat? Is it like we get like you know joint custody? Like one person gets it for like a month and can take selfies with it, and then mails it off to the next person to the next person. And I won't say who, but one of the, one of the people on the on the list uh, emails back and says, "I don't think that that's going to be a problem." And my response was, "Oh, so you're telling? So you're just flat out saying we're going to lose to Tom King and Mitch Gerards? Like, <laughs> you know, don't rain on my parade, man." You know, this is like this is like the big thing for me. I'm going to have hope if you guys. Yes, we're probably going to lose to Tom King. I know this. I know this. Tom King, and Mitch Gerard. I get it. I know we're probably going to lose to them. But like, don't kill my hope, man. What's their yeah, book? Don't 
don't don't don't take away the shine. I mean, if you if you want it to be like the Stanley Cup where everybody's got a day with it, that's what it should be. <laughs> well, I mean, although I did, I don't know if this is entirely true, but somebody said that there there are multiple people on a book that you could order more. Uh, you could order more awards, although I don't know who pays for that. Oh. So, because if you notice, when you look at the list of the Eisners, it'll say, it says uh, Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, number three, and then it has Tom Brevoort's name because he was the main editor on it. So my initial thing was, oh, so if we won, Tom would get the award. Mm-hmm. Although I don't even know if Tom's even going to be at San Diego. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, it could be one of those Bueller moments. Uh, but, but yeah, so yeah, we're probably going to lose to Tom King, but. You know, I can and Mitch Gerards, but I can at least, you know, dream about it a bit. But anyway, okay, so so doubling back, sorry, three subways and a bus to get the point. Um, (laughs) So doubling back, I mean, I there are certain things that I have wanted specifically that I have said, boom, I need to work on this. And and sometimes I get rejected for it. And sometimes the editors are like, yeah, this is great. Let's do it. Um, with Eve, I didn't, I thought the five issues was the five issues and then that was it. Um, and it was Nick who reached out to me about it. So I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, and in terms of that, uh, I can can neither confirm or deny that it is somehow kind of connected to the miniseries. Okay. So... (laughs) I would I would say this. If you read the miniseries, you will be wholly prepared for the annual. If you did not read the miniseries, you can still read the annual. Well, there you go. I, you might I, have a little more context if you had read the miniseries. Okay. Okay. Um I was going to ask about your about the penciler Michael Dowling. Um do you guys work together or is that completely coordinated through the editor? Originally, it was completely coordinated through the editor, but I'm the type of person where I'll just go direct. Like, um, I mean, Michael's work is, I kept saying to him, I was like, I want to buy pages from you. And he's like, well, I moved all to digital. And I was like, why? Like, he <laughs> he drew something. I can't say what it was, but when it, when it finally releases, I can post it. But he drew a panel that literally made me swoon. And I have it on my phone and I've been like showing it to a couple of people. And I showed my husband, I'm like, would you look at this? <laughs> and he's like, it's a good looking panel. I'm like, it is. Um, but you know, Mike Dowling, he's really great. He's got a great sense of humor. He has a great sense of, of movement and motion on the page. I think that's one thing that um, is difficult to convey for sometimes for artists is yes, it is static, but it is sequential storytelling. Like you need to show some type of motion, some type of um, um, continuation from one panel to the next. And and Mike is really good at that. And also, I mean, a lot of, you know, pretty much every design of Hollow's Eve in the masks, with the exception of a few of them, because I think Ed McGinnis did the original design in her Hollow's Eve costume, but then the masks themselves... You know, the werewolf mask, I don't think she had the werewolf mask on. So Mike designed that and designed the witch mask and the uh, the ghost mask and, and a lot of the masks that we use throughout. So, I mean, he 
he really went to town with it. And there's something that we're, that we're working on that I can't talk about yet um, that Mike and I are working on. And when I, when he got the script, he said, there's going to be a lot of fun things to draw on this. And that's always the best thing to hear from an artist because you never want it to be a chore. You know, you never want anybody to say, Oh God, I got to draw X, Y, and Z. You, you want them to be like, Oh, I'm looking forward to this. You worked so. as an art director and as, as, at an uh, advertising agency, and then worked at yes. uh, Neil Gaiman's, uh, sorry, Neil Gaiman's, Neil Adams, excuse me, Continuity Studios. Have you have you drawn a lot as well as a because you're uh, you're an artist too? Uh, I mean, I I worked as a background artist. I am I would consider my I mean, ten years ago I was much better because I was drawing every single day. I haven't picked up a pencil to draw something, and you have to draw every day. Like that's how you continue. That's how you keep your your skills up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's basically like like training like an Olympic athlete. They have to be in the gym every day. It's the same thing with drawing. So I haven't picked a pencil up in you know going close to ten, not even ten years, but a good five years. And and I've lost a lot of my drawing skills. And I'm the first person to admit that. But when I was working at the studio, I would draw a lot of backgrounds. I was I still do a lot of digital ma- manipulation of things. I will draw like. If an artist asks for it, I will draw thumbs. I'll thumbnail out a scene for them. And I always say I use it as a suggestion. Now that Michael and I have been working together going on six issues now, possibly seven, that I think we've gotten a groove. We've gotten really into a groove. And I think he knows exactly what I'm insinuating. And I know that when I get something back from him, it's going to be perfect, if not near perfect. Um, it's the same thing with Edgar Salazar, who works with me on X-23 and um, and Moon Knight What If. You know, um, I got to meet Edgar last year at San Diego, and he, and one of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten from an artist is saying, you write for the artist. Um, and Edgar said, you have an art background, don't you? And I was like, well, you know, I worked in a studio for a bunch of years. I've done some animation and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I can tell. I can tell by the way you write you write for the artist. And I'm like, that's to me, that's a huge compliment um, because it is a collaboration and I don't ever want one, you know, corner of it, whether it's the penciling, the inking, the coloring, whatever. I don't ever want there to be a, a roadblock because of something that I've done. I want to make it as, as streamlined and as smooth as possible. So, yeah. So I think because Michael and I have been working together for, you know, the better part of a year now, I think we, we can, pretty much be pretty seamless about stuff. Same thing with Edgar. I mean, I'd love to work with Edgar again as well. From a technical standpoint, I always like mm-hmm. to ask writers, do you write full scripts or do you write the the breakdowns? I mean, not everybody, not, there's not a lot of people doing Marvel style, but it's still interesting to hear if, if you do that. And then if you obviously develop this rapport, is that is there a little bit less in terms of the, the structure of scripting or is it just, you know... You do your you do how you do it for my own sanity, for lack of a better term. What I do is I will give a if it's a mini series, I will give a one page to two page summary to the editor for what's going to happen. All the major beats in the mini series. And once that gets blessed, then I will do that same one to two page summary for each issue. We have the major beats for all five issues or six issues. These are the, this is what the major, of those major beats, this is what it's going to be in issue one, issue two, etc. Once the editor signs off on the pacing of that, 
because the editor may say, oh, let's do this nonlinear and make, you know, instead of this beat, you know, if you're doing it linear, then the last beat's going to come in issue, you know, four or five. Why don't we do this nonlinear? Let's start, you know, now and then the vast majority be the flashback leading up to, you know, so, you know, turning around and getting that set up. But then once I have that, then I'm like, okay, I have a 20 page issue, a 22 page issue, whatever. I start breaking that up into sequences like page one and I put one or two sentence down and that's going to, you know, be a sequence that's going to be pages one to three and then pages four and five, blah, 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 six and seven, et cetera. And, and I do that for me. There is a project that I'm working on that I was asked to work Marvel style. I did that. So it was a 32 page first issue and I did, you know, page one, here's a couple of sentences, maybe a line of dialogue or two and throughout and, and the editor you know, signed off on it. And then when I had a conversation with the artist, the artist wasn't comfortable working Marvel style. And he said, he's like, look, I, I'm still a little nervous about this. Could you write full script, at least for the first couple of issues? And then once we have that rapport and once we, you know, we start to get that seamless, you know, back and forth, then I'll feel more comfortable doing Marvel style. So I was like, all right, all right, I get it. So I'm taking that 32 page script and which was essentially just Marvel style breakdowns. And now I am saying, okay, on this page, there's going to be a certain amount of panels and each panel is going to have this drawn. And here's the dialogue that's going to happen there. The other thing is that every script that I write is usually it's a suggestion. You know, if I write on a page, five panels, six panels, whatever, I try not to go above six panels. If I write on a page, you know, five panels, and the artist can communicate the same information in four panels, do it in four. If you can communicate the same information in you need an extra panel, take the extra panel. As long as the information is being communicated, and the pacing is maintained, I don't care how many panels go on that page as long as that information is communicated and the pacing is the same throughout because it's the pacing that the editor has blessed and has, you know, uh, signed off on. This is a, this is a character that I, I, I see coming to uh, cosplay very soon and probably at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, which is coming up in, what, like two weeks? So I'm like, yeah, it's the 19th through the 23rd, I believe. Yeah. Have you seen anyone cosplay as this character yet? Not yet. Not yet. I haven't done, I've only done like small charity conventions. I haven't done any actual real conventions since the book came out. But we'll, I mean, we'll see at New York because uh, I won't be at San Diego, but I'll be at New York. So okay. we'll see if, if, if we have any cosplayers at New York. That'll be exciting. Is, is, is it exciting to see that as a, as you know, a writer or a creator, somebody that, that puts that time and that energy. What was it like for, for you when you see that happen? I mean, I've never seen anybody cosplay as any character that I've done for creator owned. I always love seeing, you know, I love Hawkgirl. I love seeing Hawkgirl cosplayers, especially the Shaira Hall one. I love seeing Moon Knight cosplayers. I love seeing the Winter Soldier cosplayers. I, I think it's just, it's, it's great because it is a, it's showing that something that you contributed to, whether you created it of whole cloth or you just added to it, it's showing that that made an impact on somebody. And, you know, 
there comics broke me happened a couple weeks ago and everything and everybody's talking about how well you know they don't pay you enough in comics and x y and z and it's true i mean the 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 amount of people that are you know millionaires from comics i can count on one hand you know what i mean yeah so so you know you need that that extra that extra incentive you know i mean the reason why you have to love comics to to be in comics and and i'm i do this full time i'm a full time writer so for me the hustle is real because it's all i got but you have to love comics and it, comics doesn't always love you back there's that kirby you know, quote, comics will break your, you know, kid comics will break your heart. Mm. So seeing someone cosplay as a character that you've added to makes it worth it because it shows that what you put down on that page made such an impact on someone that they spend hours and days at the sewing machine with the hot glue gun, make, you know, and some of these, I, I mean, some people are so specific, like they will go down to like the earrings mm -hmm. and make. oh no, they're stud earrings. They're not dangle earrings. You know, I mean, some people are so specific with it Yeah. and, and it really, it, it brightens the hell out of your day because it says you are making a difference. You know, I mean, we live in a world right now where you go on social media and every five seconds people are like, you know, the earth is dying, people are poor, people are starving. All this, and, and yes, all of that is 150,000% valid. Absolutely. But if you mire yourself in that consistently, then you're literally just going to be drowning in a sea of mud and you're never going to be able to get your head out. So I do what I can in terms of, you know, charities and volunteering, etc. But knowing that what I'm doing for my job is brightening up somebody else's day and inspiring them to do this that then inspires me back and sort of says you know you are making a difference you're making a difference in somebody's life and i think that with you know i know we're here to talk about Hollow's eve but i'm going to pivot to x23 for a second i mean having a character like jordan gaston like Hay haymaker having a trans non-binary character i think that that is important to show people that you know, not it, it, that other people in this world exist. And it's not just the Marvel universe, it's the real world. And, and Marvel has, I think more so than DC, has always sort of been a reflection of the real world mm. or has tried more or less to be a reflection of the real world. Yeah, I mean, that's true um, in the, uh, like how they use New York so much. And they made a point yeah. saying Gotham City and Central City and Metropolis, they're all made up places. And, and Keystone City to, and Star City, yeah. Yeah, this goes back to Stanley, whether good or bad. Um, he, he made a point several times saying that he wanted the heroes grounded in reality in the Marvel in the Marvel Universe by making it seem like they could be your neighbor. They, they could live on the street with you, you know, and things like that. And there's there's other writers that have copied that. I mean, God, there was an interview with J. Michael Krasinski uh, or, and, and somebody else that worked on the real Ghostbusters. When they did the real Ghostbusters cartoon, they wanted to make sure that when the Ghostbusters were given directions in New York where to go bust the ghosts, those were actual streets in New York that they would drive down. So they would announce the street name and people would be like, oh, that's a real street in New York. Well, it's funny. When we did, um, when David Lopez and I did the Moon Knight story um, in Black, White, and Blood, I made sure I plotted the route from, you know, Coney Island to past Gina's Diner to <laughs> where they would go. I, I used to live in Brooklyn. 
And so I made sure that I plotted the route and I sent him an overhead map to be like, okay, these are your landmarks. And, you know, you're going to take this street all the way down and then you're going to take a left kind of thing. And um, because I, I wanted it to be, I mean, obviously it's not realistic, but I wanted it to be as close to realistic as possible. Yeah, and uh, I haven't read the X twenty three book, but when I saw that you were writing it too, I, I was gonna wait. I was gonna wait till it's getting it gets collected, and I think the collection comes out in uh, October fourth. October, yeah. So the previews right now are, are up to October. So, um, Zach, we got like three minutes left. So do you got one more quick question with a quick answer for Erica? There's uh, no quick answers. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, just thank you for writing this series, man. I, I really love um, the work you guys have done with with Halloween's Eve. I'm really appreciative of it and I just, you know, um thank you. And I also saw thank, that you thank you. And I also saw your post about the writer strike. So thank you for supporting uh, writers obviously being one yourself. That's not, you know, that's not hard to do. Um, well, I'm not in the guild. Not I'm in not the guild, part but of the writer's writer. Guild. You are a writer though. So I mean, one yeah. writer supporting a bunch of other writers and the writer strike obviously just got a lot bigger recently because of what happened on June 30th. So yeah. um it's it's uh we'll 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 see what happens but hey if there's no movies and tv to watch people there's plenty of comic books to go read <laughs> there's absolutely plenty of comic books to read um and uh did uh, i absolutely love uh swords of sorrow is that what it was called the uh dynamite book the yes the dynamite the dynamite crossover series yes swords yes of sorrow. all the female bad characters that dynamite owns the properties too <laughs> deja at Thor. the time i don't know if they still have i don't know if they still have everybody but at the time yeah yes at the time it was it was the it was basically almost everyone except for lady death it seemed or witchblade <laughs> yeah um not counting Wonder Woman because she's DC Comics, but yeah, there was—I mean, there was Vampirella, and there was Chastity, and there was uh, uh, Bad Kitty, and there was uh, 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 Masquerade, Kato, yeah, Kato's Lady daughter, yeah, Lady Zorro, that's right, Lady Zorro. Uh, that was Black fantastic. Sparrow. Yep, I did. I I really enjoyed that uh, miniseries. I loved uh, Gail Simone taking charge of it too. Yeah, Gail was great to work with. Erica, why don't you give out your social media and your website and where your upcoming convention appearance will be real quick. Okay, Erica Schultz writes, W-R-I-T-E-S dot com. Um, my socials are Erica Schultz 42 on everything. Uh, Instagram is Erica Schultz writes. Um, my next convention is this coming weekend, uh, London Film and Comic Con in the London, UK. Then I will be at uh, Dragon Con end of August, early September and New York Comic Con in October. Awesome. And you can find me and Zach over on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Uh, Zach is the host of the uh, regular show as well as co-host for the uh, Make My May Day. And I do the Sal Basama Era podcast. And, of course, you can find the other episodes of Radio of Horror on the Radio Horror YouTube channel and my Radio Horror website for my other podcasts. Thank you again for joining me, Zach. Thank you, Erica, for joining us. Thank you.